Okay, everyone, um, thanks so much for joining us at the start of this interview. My lovely guest is Jennifer Passavant. Jennifer is an intuitive life coach, energy healer, and advanced Reiki practitioner. She's also the channeler of a surf angel who identified itself as Ian. And she also channels Quan Win Yin, the goddess Yin. of compassion, whereas the aspect, uh, one of her aspects is known as the goddess of compassion. Jennifer, in her um, other kind of normie job, if I can say that, um, sure. also works and cares for disadvantage on autistic children. So her entire life is very, very meaningful. Um, and also her work and practices are heavily influenced by ancient mystery school teachings. And we'll get into that later on in the interview. So Jennifer, a very, very warm welcome to the show. I am so, so delighted to have you. Um, Jennifer, I know on a personal level, Jennifer is one of my favorite people and we connect all the time. And so it's just an honor to have her on the show to, to talk about her life and talk about her, her interests and hopefully what it is that she can offer people um, and some of the services that she does. So we're very warm welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you, Zenith. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, if any of our crazy uh, normal conversations kind of are anything to go by, it should be a lot of fun. Yes. So anyway, obviously, I know you, Jen. I know a lot about you, but for the lovely listeners and for the lovely viewers, could you share maybe a little bit about yourself, um, how you got into this sort of stuff? Because I know that it wasn't always like that. The same me. <laughs> So it would be really interesting to hear for anyone out there. And I think it's especially important for anyone who's, you know, because as we know in 2022, for the past lot of years, there are happy an enormous amount of people waking up spiritually. And a lot of people aren't guided. A lot of people like us don't really have that help or don't really have that guidance to direct them to where they need to be or understand what it is they're going through. So this can be really useful for anyone who's maybe got that awakening but doesn't have a direction or doesn't quite understand what they're going through. So by you sharing maybe a little bit of your, your background, it should hopefully help some people. Sure. Um, I'm going to try my hardest to give you the meat and taters Reader's Digest version of how I got into this because it's actually a long story. Um, but first, uh, I will repeat again, I'm uh, an intuitive spiritual life coach, energy healing practitioner and channeler. Even though I'm trained in several different forms of, of Reiki and I studied pranic healing and all these different things, I actually don't refer to myself as a Reiki practitioner only because um, I feel like that pigeonholes me quite a lot. And what mm. I do is really very unique in that um, I channel, like you said, a, a seraph angel who refers to himself as Ian. He's actually an ascended Arcturian to make it super weird. Uh, but he, he's um, archangel-like in that he exists in the seraphim realm or that, that dimensional level. And then, yes, I channel the, the goddess Kuan Yin. Um, and if you don't know, to the, list, to the viewers or listeners, if you don't know who that is, Google her. It's Q-U-A-N. And then the last part of her name is Y-I-N. Um, it's also spelled K-U-A-N-Y-I-N, but she's she's a fascinating ascended master. Um, and I do work with this, uh, I'm a teacher's aide for students with severe physical and cognitive impairments. So that means they, um, most of them are in wheelchairs, uh, are fed through tubes in their stomach, are nonverbal. Um, and that's, yeah, that is a very physically demanding job, but I've been doing that for about 27, 28 years. So 
27 years. Yeah, 27 years. So it's a long time. Um, but I didn't get into the life coaching and the channeling um, until about 2013, 2014. Uh, 2013 is when I figured out what the f was happening with me. It was the end of 2013. It, all, it, it was like two years of total weirdness. Um, not to say I didn't have gifts and, and such before that, because I started intuitive life coaching and I didn't know it had a name for many years, almost 10 years prior to that, um, where I'd be like pulled, it was, it was the weirdest experience, but like being in a grocery store or a coffee shop and it would be this feeling of you have to have a conversation with that person and it would feel like a magnetic pull to that person. Mm. And then I was like, all right, that means I have to figure out how to strike up a conversation with that person. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I'd have to find a way to, in, you know, engage them. Um, or like in the grocery store, like you need to go to the toilet paper aisle. There, there will be someone that you're supposed to have a conversation with. Okay. Go to the toilet paper aisle and then feel the magnetic pull to the person I'm supposed to have a conversation with. And then as soon as the conversation would start, I know that at some point, it would go in the direction that it's supposed to go so that I could give them whatever message I was supposed to deliver that would kind of set them on their next phase of their path. And I didn't know that this thing had a name. I just know I was doing it to people online, you know, kind of people everywhere. And so I kind of got into that uh, and allowed myself to do that. And like 2013 is when I started my life coaching business, but then the, end, the channeling started at the end of that, well, well I was aware that I was a channeling at the end of that year mm. and had to practice bringing through this, this um, seraph being, which was, a, <laughs> it was a really interesting time. It took me about a year before I could finally allow him to speak through me relatively comfortably and clearly. And in that time he would move my hands when I was channeling and I finally was like, what are you, what are you doing? And he was like, pay attention to what we're doing because you're going to do this on other people. So that's how I learned that this was going to be an energy healing thing too. So then he guided me to study pranic healing, not like get certified, but like study it because what he does looks similar to that and um, study all these different um, healing techniques. And then when Kuan Yin showed up, because he kept trying to guide me to, to um, be attuned in Reiki and I was like, not doing it, not doing it, not doing it. <laughs> And uh, for various reasons. And then Kuan Yin showed up and <laughs> she made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So <laughs> wow. it meant it was uh, it was Reiki offered uh, through through you to me on my time and on my budget. And it was like, all right, because I'm not paying hundreds of dollars to go to a class for something I don't really want to learn anyway. Um, and so I think really all she needed me was to just be attuned because it resonates very much with her frequency. Um, so then I was like, well, I guess there's always something of value to learn in lots of different modalities. So then I went like learning crazy and I just started really diving into many more different modalities to, to see if there was anything that I could apply to what I was already doing. So the neat thing about what I do, and I call it angel energy healing because I didn't know Kuan Yin was a thing when I came up with the name. <laughs> that is to say I'd heard of her, but I didn't know I was going to be channeling her. Um, is that Kuan Yin and, and Ian, Ian being very masculine 
and Kuan Yin being very feminine is they, they bring a very balanced way of doing energy healing. Mm. So whatever, whatever type of energy the person needs the most in a particular area of their energetic field is who steps forward in that moment when we're working on that area, if that makes any sense. Um, and so I work, the other thing I'd, I'd like to add though, is that I do work all, all of my work remotely. So I see like an etheric mini me of the person that I'm working on kind of floating in front of me. And we just work on them that way. And we that happened because I was doing all my energy healing at home when my mom was alive thinking, all right, if some, you know, Robbie the rapist or Ralph the robber comes in pretending to be a client, uh, she can call the 911. And mm -hmm. after she passed away, I was like, I'm not letting anybody in my home with me by myself. That's creepy. Mm -hmm. And when I first did my remote, my, my very first remote energy healing, it was so profound for me and the client because I was able to see and do things that I couldn't do with them physically there. Like I was able to put my hand into their, into their body and send energy to their gallbladder. And it was funny because I was like, I'm holding a really small organ. What is this? And I heard gallbladder, gallbladder, gallbladder. I'm like, gallbladder? <laughs> like gallbladder. I'm like, okay. And so, uh, and then at the end of the healing, Ian gave a personalized message, which he's never done for anyone ever until then. I was like, we're doing this every freaking time. So when I called the client back and I was relaying all the things that we were working on, I was like, and then we set light to your gallbladder. She's like, I knew you were working on my gallbladder. I could feel it. And I thought, but that just blew my mind. The abs, I was, my mind was blown. So it was like, yep, we're doing this all the time. Why change something that works really well? So it was more profound for the client and me. This is a win. This is a win-win. Um, but I feel like what... Okay. I'm just having a bit of a few technical issues here, unfortunately. Yep, she's back. There I am. Back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we just missed that last little bit, Jen. Um, what do you miss exactly? What? Just, where, where just you... Oh, what? Just we, yeah, yeah. Just what you were talking about doing the the we're doing this every time you said. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're doing this every time, and um, so what I like about my healing is is its uniqueness because I don't know anyone else that channels a Seraf, Arcturian, and Kuan Yin together to do energy no. healing. <laughs> No one so, truly a unique experience in that yeah. in that regard. Um, how did you? Um, sorry, how did you? Uh, how long did it take you before? You know, how did you identify? You know that this was not just your imagination. Do you know when you began to accept that the voices that you heard? I mean, it, was it? Did you feel that change in energy, or was it just like almost like your own thoughts? You know, did it come through as like your own thoughts, and then you're kind of like, oh, okay, that's interesting, or did it feel differently? Because most of the time, when I well, I suppose it is different, but it, it, it's just different, I guess, from um, for me, just depending on like who would come through and I'm doing that channeling. But a lot of the time, it just sounds like your own kind of thoughts. And I'm wondering, you know, did you was there a big difference? Did you feel it any differently? Or was there a kind of like bedding in period where you were kind of like, I don't quite know about this? Yeah. Well, at first it was very physicalized. And what I mean by that, it was it is he would try to communicate through me out 
loud through my mouth. And, and so then, then, of course, it was obvious that it wasn't me. Um, and I had to relate my mouth and not try to pre-think what he's going to say, but just let the words flow. Um, and then he started, the communication became more internalized later. And there, when I'm in a session, yep. um, and then later on, it became more more internalized for things that, well, like the gallbladder experience, um, where it would either be a word that repeated, which obviously I'm not going to do, or um, it would be like a knowing that was put in my head that I couldn't have known. Um, and so I knew it wasn't me, but I wasn't a newbie either to like hearing things or having, you know, intuitive impressions and stuff. Um, but it was, it was just more of, of getting used to his energies and the way he communicates, but there is definitely a difference between your own thoughts and intuitive guidance because it just feels, I don't want to say foreign, but in a way, yeah, because it can either, there's like a, uh, an impulse that can go with it. That's like, almost like a compulsion. Like I have to do this, or I know this is right. Um, and then sometimes it's a thought that's put in your head that comes with that. Other times it's like I was saying the words that repeat. Sometimes it's a visualization of, of like a movie playing inside the mind's eye. Um, but there's like a, you know, it's not coming from you because you wouldn't have, yeah. you know, come up with something like that. So it's it's like you get used to the, you know the, the, the feeling and the knowing. And sometimes you get the hardest one is the, the gut feeling where it's like, you can feel that something is true or that something is the case. And you have no way of confirming it, no way of, of proving it. You, it just, that's what I feel either about this person or about the situation or about that experience. And, um, yeah, it gets confirmed a certain way, especially when you tell a client what you're getting and they affirm it for you and then you get the angel tingles. So that's always helpful. Mm. But that's that's kind of how yeah. I how I understand when it's them versus me. <laughs> okay, so Jennifer, um, <laughs> when you are simply channeling um, compared to when you're giving out healing, I know that it's, they still work through you. But do you get a sense or, or is there a sense or do you know if it's a different vibration, a different type of energy? I'm just kind of knowing this because obviously as someone who's a kind of different kind of healer, um, more very passive, passive energy um, compared to channeling, which is a very kind of focused type of energy. So I'm wondering in your uh, practices, do you discern or is there a difference for you from when you're giving healing to someone i know it's a bit different because you're directing the healing mm -hmm. compared to when you're just channeling and when you're giving that intuitive message or do you know well it depends on the type of channeling i'm doing so if he's he or somebody else because it's not always ian that comes up sometimes it is Kuan Yin. sometimes i don't know who it is but it's one of their guides or because I call in everybody before the healing, but it's still a very um, active experience to have them speak out of my mouth. And at the same, you know, so that's, to me, that's very, a very active thing. And then when I'm doing my healing, it's still very active in that 
they are like, I'm a puppet and they're moving my arms. And so they're directing me to which chakra and they're manipulating the energy by, by moving my hands and while they're sending the energy through my hands. And so it's a very active experience for me. Um, and so in that regard, it feels very much the same, but when I'm doing my intuitive spiritual life coaching, they, they don't channel through me actively. They channel through me passively. And so that's when it feels different because it's much more, um, it's much more internalized. And so I have to kind of keep myself in more of a, how should I say, uh, a focused meditative state so that I can be more aware of the more subtleties of, you know, the, the feelings, the knowings, the visions, et cetera. So I tend to do like a, like I pace or I walk in a circle because it just helps to keep me focused to pick up on these external things. So in that regard, there's, there is a difference. Mm -hmm. What was I going to say? Um, when you started doing this and you were obviously doing it in your parents house which is obviously your house how how did how did you, you know, was there any kind of hesitation you know how did what was your mother or your father were they very spiritual people did they not know anything about this were they traditionally religious how did they feel about you know you just coming and saying hey guys by the way i'm now going to be channeling these uh uh non-physical beings and carrying out this you know woo woo in your in your home well, my my dad had passed by the time I started channeling um, and he was very proud of me. And I only know this because he came to visit me. Um, I heard his voice. I woke up to hearing his voice and I thought I was going to see him in my bedroom because seeing dead people in my bedroom is a common occurrence. Um, <laughs> but he wasn't he wasn't there. But there was a, a like a stick figure flower that was made out of orange light floating in front of me over my bed. And I was like, okay, that was very sweet. It was very interesting. It was very sweet. And so I didn't quite pick up on the full message until another two weeks. And so my dad's favorite flower was roses. And two weeks later, I was awakened to see my entire ceiling covered in orange lit, that same energy color, rose blossoms. And when I, when I, asked about what what that was for it was just it the message was that it took him three years to build the energy to be able to do that for me but that it was to let me know that he sees what i'm doing and he's very proud of me so he was very happy about it <laughs> now my mom was still alive at the time and neither of my parents they were both very agnostic even though my mom was raised lutheran and my dad was raised presbyterian they were they both were very agnostic so they believed there was a higher power but they weren't in any way shape or form religious so they weren't necessarily against it from that they wouldn't have been against it from that standpoint but my mom was had no experience with any kind of spiritual metaphysical anything even though throughout my life, it had been very different where I'd, you know, wake up hearing voices or I'd have astral dreams or I'd wake up and see something, you know, floating through my through my room and I'd go screaming down the hallway, you know, calling for my mom or my dad, which continued into adulthood. Um, but she'd never had any of those experiences. So she couldn't relate. And so when here was me going, so I'm channeling a divine being and we're going to do energy healing. And it was like, okay, M meaning now I'm becoming so 
weird because I was already good and weird before that. <laughs> it's becoming so weird that now I didn't, I, I fit less into the social norms that yeah. she holds very, very dear. And so while she didn't stop me from doing it, there was resistance in allowing me to make changes to a particular room in the house in order to, to offer services through it. Um, she definitely didn't brag about me to her friends or to, to family. Um, so yeah, there was, I was not stopped, but there was resistance and, and she was definitely not, not proud of me for, for being as not, socially normal yeah. <laughs> would have preferred <laughs> but now at she's least, <laughs> yeah, yeah i guess at least um at least she knew about it you know at least uh even if she couldn't quite accept it at least she she knew about it do you ever think that maybe um obviously now she'd be completely you know understanding and knowing about it yes, did you ever sure. get the sense or did you ever get the um, feeling that maybe if she couldn't publicly say it, that maybe there was a part of her that, you know, was like, okay, well, you know, throughout the, you know, the, what way can I kind of phrase this? From seeing it happen enough times that she maybe, there was maybe a quiet acceptance or a quiet acknowledgement and maybe the kind of deep within her, that there may have been maybe a part of her that was like, okay, well, you know, there's obviously something this and maybe, you know, maybe maybe Jennifer is just different. Maybe she is talented in, in a way that I can't understand. I do. And it was only because she let me do energy healing work on her when she got cancer. Um, and I think she would have rebuffed my offer entirely if she didn't feel like, based on all of the things that she had uh, up until then um, heard from, clients, like when I would say, oh, my client, you know, told me blah, blah, blah. And I'd kind of relay these stories just to kind of help her get a better idea of what I do and, and, and whatnot. I think she kind of started thinking, well, maybe, maybe there is something to this, even though I'm still not proud that she's doing this and I don't want to shout it from the rooftops. I, I'm not going to rebuff an offer if it might help me heal kind of thing. Um, but it was still a very challenging concept for her to wrap her mind around just because of her lack of experience with such things. It was sort of like, how to say this? It was like trying to explain to her the smell of the color nine. And she knew there was something to the smell of the color nine, but she couldn't grasp the concept of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It is a very difficult thing trying to explain, you know, this sort of stuff to someone who has really no experience in it. it, it it's difficult enough, as, as you know, where we're trying to put into concepts or put into words things that don't lend themselves to words. So then to try and explain this to someone who has no inkling about this is even more challenging. And so I think that, it, you know, the fact that she even, you know, as you say, there was a quiet acceptance that she, you know, that she knew that there was something to it. The fact that she allowed you to practice her, your, your healing on her, um, I, I think speaks a lot to her character, speaks a lot to, you know, her, her kind of open-mindedness, even as you said, she couldn't quite really grasp, but she must have kind of had this core feeling and it, it, it must obviously speak or must have obviously spoken a lot to 
to the person that she was, mm-hmm. you know, to overcome those difficulties. Um, yeah. 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 Um, and so did she, obviously, you know, it was obviously in her life path for her to, you know, pass from the physical with cancer. Yes, but, I know. You know did yes. she, yeah, you know, when you were doing the healing on her, Ken, was there, did she ever, did you ever get a sense? Did she ever tell you? Did you ever know that, you know, there was some relief, you know, gotten from her symptoms or, you know, maybe worked on different, on different things, maybe on different aspects rather than the cancer? So her cancer was caused by her resentment towards my dad for passing before her. And she wasn't about to let that go. And so what we worked on when we were, we meaning the beings that I work with, and that was actually working on her was when Kuan Yin really showed up. I realized that she actually showed up way early on in my channeling. I didn't recognize it was her, but she made herself very known during my healing on my mom. And so that was when I was like, wait, this isn't Ian. Who is this? So it was obviously a very important thing for me to be doing the work on my mom, even if it wasn't meant to completely heal her. It was still an important thing. But what we did work on was her heart and her heart chakra, which of course is in the same vicinity of her lungs, which is where she got the cancer. But that's how it goes, where you'll develop the cancer wherever it is you're holding that anger. Um, But though we tried to work on it, she couldn't consciously let it go. Yeah. Under, understandable, like, as I said, because, you know, as you know, when you go through this process, it changes you irrevocably. It changes every aspect of your being. It consumes you. Um, but that's only if you're accepted and understand what you're going through. For someone, as you say, that even if she was open-minded enough to go, well, there's obviously something in this, and I'm going to allow my daughter, Jennifer, to practice this woo-woo stuff on me. Um to, to kind of not, you kind of need to go through that in order to accept your, what it is that's holding you back, what it is that's causing you problems. So I guess it's understandable, you know, yes. that she, she didn't kind of let go of that. Um, so I, again, I, I don't really want to get down this kind of personal route, but in case it kind of makes you feel uncomfortable, I kind of like, you know, was it, obviously you, you kind of both knew that, um, you know, that this was um, terminal and it would be, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, I'm kind of wondering, you know, like your mom's passing and after your dad's, what way can I kind of phrase this? Obviously there was an acceptance of it, but, you know, did it it have, did you find that maybe you you kind of uh, threw yourself more into your work? more into your 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 spiritual work was there a kind of step back from that you know was 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 it was her passing a it obviously was a momentous occasion but i kind of wondering how you can you how you dealt with that you know how how, how did you kind of deal with that you know was there a yeah. retreat was there a you know trying to blanket out of your mind mm-hmm. that type because obviously i know you and i know that you're a very strong person a very um, compassionate person. And I'm kind of just wondering, you know, how much of that changed you? Mm-hmm. If not kidding me. Yeah. So with 
with my mom, there, there was a part of me that was working through the possibility that this would be terminal. Like I have to really think, I have to really kind of face that that's a real possibility. And so I need to kind of play out how, how I would feel if that was to happen. And so I would kind of lean into that feeling a little bit and process that. But then I, I would go back to the hope of her finding some way to overcome it and, and live because she was my last parent. And it was hard enough to lose one. The last thing I wanted to, was to be parentless. You know what I mean? And so my mom, even though we had our relationship issues, which every parent and child does, um, she was still one of my best friends in the whole wide world. And so I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't want to lose that. And, and, you know, when you lose a parent, there's, there's like a loss of stability because when your parents are there all your life and they helped form and shape you into who you are and there's so much of them in you when they transition you get so used to them being there in that way physically right um that it's like you lose an anchor when you lose both of them and so i had to you know when when it I couldn't really process her, her, her passing when she was in the process of it, meaning when it was like, okay, because she went downhill very, very quickly. And it was literally the next night that she passed away. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to, to process it. Um, and then even afterwards, I didn't have a lot of time to process it because I was always with my, my family and I prefer to do all of my processing privately so I can, you know, curl up in a ball and, and ugly cry for as long as I need to without someone being there feeling like they have to com comfort me. I, I want to dive into it. I want to, um, to really process it. I don't, I don't necessarily want to be hugged and held and comforted um, because for me, it's more like allowing a stream of energy through and I need to let it through. And my, I, my family is very loving and very compassionate. And so their inclination would be to, to want to hug me, which stops me from crying, which is not what I want. Um, and so, but then of course, by the time they left, it's like it had been locked up inside. And so then I had to find ways to trigger myself without them being there in order to let this out. And then I had to work through, can I keep the house? Um, how, you know, how, how to say this? What, because what I do does not pay well <laughs> at all. And so then it was like, yeah, I need to focus on my business so that I can survive and, you know, keep the house that I grew up in and, um, just have that maintain a level of stability. Um, and so it was really terrifying for me because I had to face all of these, you know, what were for me terrifying what ifs of, you know, what if I can't keep the house? What if I can't, you know, main, maintain my level of income enough to, 
to uh, to keep it? What if, you know, all, all these things, all the things that her, pre her presence was an anchor for was, felt like there was a potential of having all these things ripped out from under me along with her having been ripped out from underneath me. So I had to really face a lot of these you know, fears. And then there was the work of, um, her perception of me and having to work through yeah. the, you know, now that she was passed and she saw me in a different light through my dreams, she would come and, and she would, she became one of my, my guides and messengers, but I still had to work through, um, processing that, though she had a particular perspective of me in life, mm -hmm. she no longer sees me in that way. And so I can now let that go and let go of operating from the triggering that that the pain of that perspective from someone that I love so much caused. Um, so there was like, uh, two years minimum of, a lot of hard work. And, um, so yeah, diving into my business was definitely a part of it. And, you know, and it still is because ideally it's what I want to do every day for the rest of my life. Like this is, this for me is my purpose. And I want to be able to offer these services to as many people as I possibly can, because this is my greatest joy and bliss. This is what I want to do every day. And, um, so that, that in and of itself makes me wanting to be, be, how should I say this? be put in front of more people in whatever ways I can so that they might, you know, if they're interested in my services, utilize them in the hopes that I can be of service to them um, is very much a part of what I'm, what I'm looking to do right now. Cause you can't help people if they don't know you exist, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but then of course there is the, you know, the, the financial survival aspect of it too. <laughs> so, which is why I still have my day job. Yeah. Um, it's never a bed of roses. It's never, I think people, um, you know, when you talk to people about this, they, they kind of get this idea that everything's rosy and it must be amazing. You know, it must be amazing having these, this connection and being connected to these beings and you know being all very spiritual and being able to do this but a lot of time it's quite the opposite a lot of time it it, it is a really really deep struggle it, it never seems to be you know we kind of look to those kind of like oh well if this just happens everything will be fine everything will be idealistic my life will be you know be be absolutely fine but it rarely kind of works out like that but i think it's it, it's because of your temperament um and through the challenges that you get that you i don't know that you that you do smile through it all but it's it's just it, it always surprises me it never it's never straightforward sure it's not it's never um it's always kind of like one challenge after another and um as you say you know like if people kind of understood they'll obviously understand by now but the amount of kind of like inner work that you have to do on yourself the amount of shadow work to, to actually get yourself in this place, it's it's daunting. It really is daunting. I'm not too sure how many people would be, you know, if you kind of turn, turn around and told them everything that you've kind of went through, how many people would be prepared 
to go down that route to kind of be where you are. Even now today, as you're talking about, it's still still a, a, an uphill challenge in mm-hmm. so many ways. So just kind of yeah. wanted to make that clear. Yeah, no, and it, it's very true. I, you know, the spiritual path sounds like you know fluffy bunny and roses. You're right, and that's super not the case because the whole point of the process is to look at where you are holding um, programming and wounding and and fears and then being able to have the level of self-awareness to step back Mm -hmm. and examine these things and ask yourself the questions and um, and process the emotions. I think a lot of people don't want to go into it because when you get to the really painful triggers, those emotions, you have to feel them to release them. And a lot of people fear the feeling of it. And what I found through my, through all of the experiences well before I ever thought I was going to be a channeler was that when you can dive in, if you can dive in consciously, meaning you're even though you're the one experiencing it, you're also observing yourself experience it. It becomes extremely healing and cathartic because you're not, how should I say this? You're not being pulled down into this um, uncontrollable dark vortex against your will. It's a very conscious choice. And so you can come out of it when you're good and ready and you are just allowing this energy to flow through you. So it's a real big difference between uh, uh, an unconscious um, way of experiencing something versus a very conscious way of experiencing and experiencing something. And then you can, you get to a point then where you, because the end result of having gone through that is a spiritual upliftment, a spiritual elevation. And it's like, there's like a lightning, meaning a load has been lifted and you can now see and experience the world in a more healed way. Even if it's just incrementally more, it's still more healed. Doing that type of shadow work becomes its own reinforcement because of how you know you're going to be and feel on the other side. And so I just invite and encourage people to suck it up because the reward is so worth it. And when you're actually in it, feeling the feelings and and doing the self-examination, it's not that it's, how to say this, actually it's, the thought of it is infinitely more terrifying than the doing of it. Once you're in there and you're doing it and you're feeling it and you're asking and you're looking, um, in a weird sort of way, it feels good. (laughs) (laughs) It it is. It's a very strange thing, but it's this, for me, it's the acceptance. Okay. It it becomes this acceptance. And as you say, it's, it's becoming less of a reactor to your circumstances and more of a, an observer of your experiences and, hmm, you know, okay. How do I deal with this? How do I move past this? How do I grow from this? Instead of simply reacting to your experiences, and it does become this, 
and, and again, you know, when we, we do experience those periods of growth, um, you can you can identify them, you know, when you're doing this work of, okay, I have more growth or I have more work to do upon myself. It's frustrating because you're like, can I just not be happy for a while? Now I know, I feel, I can feel. It's like this pulling away, it's this heaviness that draws you down and there's nothing that can kind of really kind of lift that. And for me, that's that's my that's my uh, what do you want to say? That my kind of uh, knowing that okay, I, I have something to process with inside myself. But it's frustrating because you're going like, oh, I've already done so much of this in myself. Really, is there really much more of this to do? But you're right. Once you can accept that, once you can accept, okay, I'm in this kind of low vibration. I already know that I have to do work upon myself. Once you accept that, it it does it becomes liberating because you're not running away from it anymore. You're not yeah. running away and going, oh, I need to be happy. Oh, you know, dance and sing and I'll put all this and I'll manifest this and all of this. It's the acceptance of it. It's the acceptance. Okay, you know, I'm in this, I'm in this funk. I'm in this period. I'm in this, you know, state of being. Um, and so then it becomes, well, if I, I'm kind of down here, I know then that the only way is, is kind of up. So it does becomes rewarding and becomes uplifting. And you generally come out of those experiences with something learned about yourself. Um, I was talking about earlier, and you'll know this, like, this transforms your entire life. There's no aspect of your life that it leaves completely untouched. It changes you and you uncover aspects of yourself that you didn't even know that existed before. It, it really is amazing. It's almost like having this, I don't know, like second head or something upon your shoulder that you never kind of knew before or something that was always on your back. And now it's you know, you never knew it before, and that's in front of you. Oh, I never knew that about myself, or I never knew that I was capable of that, or this existed. It does become liberating, but it is, it, it's very hard. It can be very daunting, as you say, for for, for someone. And it's generally, um, like we, we've both talked about this, um, it's, it, it generally um, follows or is preceded by deep traumas. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people don't understand what their traumas are actually for or how to, to move through that and what they can actually do. And I think mm -hmm. that um, this becomes an awful big part of what you're doing. Yep. Um, it becomes teaching people and helping people understand what it is that they're going through and what they need to do you know, to, to move past this, which I'm, uh, makes up a large part of your, your, your journey and your um what it is that you do with your clients. Yeah, it plays a huge role. And I, I'm so grateful for having gone through the experiences that I've gone through um, and in learning how to uh, see the patterns from my own wounding and how they were played out in my life to then be able to see that in others. And looking at how I worked through all these things and being able to share that with others. And so one of the, my, my favorite thing is doing exactly that when it comes to working with a client is, okay, we know either through, you know, the intuitive spiritual life coaching process, because you just told me that these are the things that you're working through, but you don't know why you're working through them. You don't know where they came from or because they came up in an energy healing and um, it's it's being brought to your attention in that way. 
okay, well, let's let's look at what that issue is. Okay, so we talk about that issue. Well, let's then look at where that came from. And so that's when I start getting the intuitive guidance of, um, how should I say this? I get the intuitive guidance of the source of the wounding, but what I've found through life coaching is that it's a lot less effective to tell the person, um, you know, your dad was, you know, a, a verbally abusive and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. While there, while there's a wow factor to that, um, because it's then essentially a psychic reading, yeah. it takes the responsibility of the healing away from mm-hmm. the client. So, um, yeah, I was talking about how asking the client a question to guide them to the same awareness um, mm-hmm. is it's infinitely more um, impactful for them because. Yeah. It, it, I, and I, I think it's just because they're they're seeing it for themselves instead of it, them just being told it. Now they can see the connection because they came to that awareness on their own just by my asking about it. So, so when I'm with a client, I I frame my intuitive guidance in the form of a question for that purpose. So I could just as easily say, well, I feel like, or I see this, or I'm hearing the whatever. Um, But instead I have to think about, okay, this is what I'm hearing, seeing, feeling, whatever. But now I have to figure out how to frame it in the form of a question where I'm not telling them the thing or or leading them. I mean, I want to lead them to their own conclusion, but I don't want to disempower them by giving it away in the, in the question itself. So I have to like formulate a question (laughs) based on what I know that um, will kind of walk them down their own path to awareness of that thing. Yeah, you have to kind of do it in the moment too as well. Yes. And, And the feeling, it's like the mental image I get when I'm doing this is, here's me and my client, we're holding hands and we're walking through the darkness of their shadow and I've got the flashlight and I'm shining light on these things, but I'm walking them through this whole process. Like that's how it feels to me. But uh, you're right. It, it is infinitely more. Um, yeah, because they're, they're doing that themselves. They're discovering that themselves. Isn't this what all this channeled information tells us? You know, that we don't want to give you the answers because it would be kind of not a violation of your free will, but it's infinitely more rewarding if you find this out for yourself. So for yes. someone to bring that up, for that to come into their conscious mind, this eureka moment, this epiphany, oh, you know, where you're just kind of guiding them along that path. Yeah. yeah. And what's really nice to see too, then is after that, they can start to see the patterns themselves. They see they're able to see when they're responding out of that same wound because now it's all it's all highlighted for them. And so even though it takes practice uh, and takes time to learn to reprogram so you don't operate out of the wound, it is infinitely easier to do when you're aware of the wound, how you respond to the wound, like what your trigger is, how you operate when you're triggered, et cetera, et cetera. It, than when you don't see it and you're still like blinded by all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, typically, well, not typically because everyone's different. Um, you know, is there is there a kind of like a time frame at all, or is it just depend on the person? Does it depend on the trauma? 
you know, have you found that there's any kind of discernible pattern? Is there a kind of textbook thing or a kind of template that you can kind of use? Or is it just a unique approach to everyone? So for me, because a lot of it is sort of my, my own process of how I approach things, I do think there are a lot of patterns, though. Um, and honestly, if you were to study um, the work of Carl Jung and archetypes and the subconscious mind, so much of it really does come from a lot of that, where with clients, it, I've seen similar patterns with regard to um, being rejected by by the mother or not being accepted by the mother. And you then have that same experience with other females in your life um, or father abandonment. And so the, the like, and I've also noticed a different in gender where for a for a man who was say abandoned or rejected by their mom they experience that in their relationships with women when they're heterosexual um and obviously there are differences if they were homosexual or you know whatever but generally speaking um heterosexual males experience their their wounds with their mother with their female romantic partners and it's all it all keeps playing out on repeat and they will often have multiple partners with similar um not necessarily personalities but the the wound will be triggered in similar ways and so the relationship will have similar patterns and so you can kind of get back down to that meat and taters of of the cause of it just by looking at honestly, their relationships. And then the same is true with a woman. So like, let's say a woman was, was rejected or abused or neglected by, by their, her father, she will choose relationships with males that repeat that same thing. So, so in that regard, there are, um, patterns and once you see the patterns with regard to the type of wound that it is, how they felt because of that wound, how they perceived themselves or the lie that they agreed to believe about themselves, you can then see how that lie or that programming is playing out in their daily life. And again, a lot of the, the same lies or the same programming or the same wounding shows up in different people, but in oddly very similar ways. Um, so yes, definitely patterning. And it's when you learn to see the pattern within yourself, you can then see those patterns in others. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Um, what would, what, I suppose, in, in a kind of way, you know, if, if you were kind of more cynical, um, <laughs> you would, you, I think this is what what's great. I'm, about you, you know, in particular, is that you know you're giving, you're not only helping people, you know, understand their their issues, but you're also empowering them to go off and do this work upon themselves. And perhaps someone a little more cynical may, you know, potentially withhold some of that information so that they have that person continuously returning to them. So it speaks, I guess, volumes about you, and that's, you know. 
on the, on, the, on the kind of negative side, you know, it, it, it doesn't help you financially, but it speaks volumes about the person that you are, that you are so um, orientated towards helping others and improving their lives that you want people to be able to go off and heal themselves. Yeah. And I teach them a lot of tools and techniques that they can reapply when something else comes up. So, you know, like I said, reprogramming the conscious mind and reprogramming the wounding is is no easy feat and is not a one off, but it helps if you have ways to to work with it. So I might teach people um, to and this is a really common thing that I teach is to uh, like if there's something maybe that that they have always wished they could say to a particular person, but it wouldn't be helpful for them to actually say it because it would create a lot of drama or whatever, but they need to get that energy out. They need to process the feelings that, that being able to say these words to this particular person would, would bring about um, in order to release those energies. You know, I, I teach, you know, either you can either write it down, write down all of the stuff you want to say, but then you have to read it out loud because it's the spoken word as if you were saying it to the person that has the power, then any emotions that come up when you're saying these things, allow them to flow through you. Don't try to tamp, tamper them down. Don't try to stop them. Don't interrupt them. Feel them to the greatest degree that you could possibly feel them until you feel them lift from you. And then you're free to burn that piece of paper because you've let that go. Or you can visualize Archangel Michael uh, standing in front of you holding a bucket and you say whatever it is you want to say to whoever it is, dead or alive, and you direct those words into the bucket and you can swear and piss and moan and bitch and do it, say whatever you want. Archangel Michael's not going to judge you. Just say it exactly as you'd want to say it. And then visualize him taking the energy of those words to the white light of source, transmuting that energy, and then bringing that energy totally renewed and transformed back to you to replace what you just let let go so that you are being blessed, but you're also not creating a vacuum that can then be refilled with God only knows what. You know, that's one of the techniques that I teach. The other thing would be... Um, that when you become aware of a, the lie that you've been programmed to believe, whether it's I lack value or I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy of being loved, any of those things that in childhood, those wounds get ingrained in us, you know that that is a lie. Once you become aware that that is a lie that you allowed yourself to believe and you can see how you operate out of that lie, you can then reprogram that lie where when you either when you think a thought or feel a feeling or operate from that trigger or after the fact, when you've had a chance to go, Oh crap, I realize now that I, you know, operate out of this trigger, you can say, okay, but I know that that's a lie. And I know that the truth is da, 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 da. And I know that that's true because da, 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 da. Um, the more often you do that, the more you are overriding that programming and you operate less out of the wound and the trigger and you operate more out of the reprogramming over time. So I do try to empower my clients so that they don't have to come back to see me because there's, you know, there's no healing the world if I sabotage my clients into believing that they, they can only heal through me. <laughs> yeah. Even that, even now I'm saying to myself, like, you know, do you really be telling everyone 
all of your techniques, you're almost <laughs> self yourself and going, is there any need now for people to come? Even <laughs> <see you?" laughs> nope, you're all healed. <laughs> Woohoo, I healed the world. <laughs> so much good information. So we, we have a couple of questions here. And one is um, how or in, sounds like one of these wisdom questions. Uh, how or in, uh, I don't mean like the thing, but it just feels like one of these questions you can ask in wisdom. How or in what ways has your own practice changed since as early as 2020? Uh, 2020. I guess probably what the questioner is, is probably saying is that you know, we, we've seen this massive shift in consciousness yeah. with the pandemic and so many people questioning different things and so much information coming to light. Honestly, it hasn't because even with regard to all of this information coming to light, everybody still has their childhood wounding that they're still working through. So with my clients, most of what we're working through has nothing to do with what's transpired in the last couple of years. Rather, it's everything to do with the things that have plagued them since childhood, which is good because that's where real, true, deep healing and transformation occurs. Now, that said, that isn't to say that the, some of the things that have come to light in the last couple of years haven't been discussed, but it's not where I've, I'm finding the healing. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. The other one is, uh, given that we just kind of talked about it, or given that much truth has come out in various fields, and much of this truth can be traumatic to those who have been, say, less aware of the deceptions, what suggestions do you have for other healers when they say... Uh, the betrayed come to us? The, this is one of the things that I, I say a lot to to other healers because I, I, I do a lot of videos with, with other healers and um, it, it's that people need to, how should I say this, become more of an observer instead of allowing themselves to be so controlled by these outside um, awarenesses, they're giving their power away when they allow themselves to be so emotionally controlled and affected. And so it isn't to say that you shouldn't feel anything about these things, feel it and then process it and let it go. And, and then instead just hold a neutral awareness of, I, I see that this is taking place and I'm now in control of how I'm feeling and I'm not going to let this thing um, destroy me or control how I feel, even if it's to feel betrayed, you have to choose that. Whether you choose it consciously or unconsciously is up to you, but you have to choose to respond that way to a particular piece of information or awareness. And really, if you think about it, betrayal is taking something personally, but the things that are coming to light have nothing to do with you. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're not that important to the people that are doing the things that we're we're seeing things come to light about. Do you know what I mean? And so don't take it so personally as a betrayal. Just be like, whoa, holy cripples. I had no idea that was going on. I'm glad I know now. And let that be it. Uh, instead yeah. of allowing yourself to be to be so controlled by A, what you're choosing to feel on your own, right? Or B, 
uh, what you know other people are trying to make you feel by doing certain things. It's all a choice. Yeah, yeah, I think you're I think you're right, and that you know that there's you know there's a, there's a difference between becoming aware of the information, becoming aware of the excuse me corruption and all of these kind of stuff that that's coming to light and, and becoming obsessed with it because when you do that, as you quite rightly mentioned, you're disempowering yourself. You're mm. giving away your own power. You're, you know, you're, how is that really helping? You're just getting caught up in, up in the anger and the, the hatred and stuff when really what we should be doing is saying, okay, I'm aware of the dark, but that's still going to help me. All that's going to do is help me, you know, know that uh, I should be radiating my light even more. Mm-hmm. That kind of makes sense. We were kind of discussing that the other day with um, the 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 or very very recently about this uh, fashion scandal. I can't remember what the name of the company is, but I kind of been oh, more of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of kind of thinking about it, and it's it's so hard to navigate that because um, we don't actually know, you know what's exactly true and what isn't, and it can be very, especially when it concerns children, it becomes very uh we can get very emotionally entangled in that and and caught up in hatred and fear and stuff like that but i think you're right it is important to become aware of what's happening in our Mm -hmm. world not to stick your ears stick your ears stick your fingers in your ears and la 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 you know it doesn't happen it's all positivity and like understand that there is darkness but the best way to combat that is to shine your light even more yes yeah and i and what i like about what i like about it coming to light is it's no longer being considered an air quotes conspiracy theory. Um, but, and so it allows people to reinvestigate and to go, okay, maybe there's something to this. Maybe it's not just a bunch of, you know, conspiracy theorists thinking this. And then for those of us who have been aware of it, it's like, wow, okay, it's happening here too. All right, interesting. Let's look at who's involved with this. And, you know, let's not assume that all of these things are fact, but it's possible that it's fact. So let's let's examine that and, and take all possibilities into consideration without making an assumption that any one particular thing is 100% true or accurate. Um, that allows you to continue, air quotes, going down that rabbit hole, but in a way that lacks um, unhealthful attachment and um, doesn't create unhealthful triggered emotional responses. Yeah, it is. We, we all do it at different times. No matter, even if we know about it, we all get caught up in it. You know, it's just the nature, I guess, of our, our dual kind of nature of being very human and having human emotions, but understanding that we're all, we're also these uh, beings of pure light streams of consciousness, whatever you want to call it. It's just our dual nature, really, isn't it? We all kind of have these peaks and um, the opposite of whatever peaks are. Valley? <laughs> Thinking more waves, but yeah, that'll do. That'll do fine. Valleys, ups and downs, ebbs and flows, highs and lows. That wave thing that you see on the screen that looks like a heartbeat. <laughs> whatever you uh, want to call it. We all have those moments of kind of like, well, I'm above that, you know, and then kind of getting caught up in it, you know, I guess it's our dual nature, you yes, know. That's but, um, being human. <laughs> but what you don't yeah. want to do is stay in the valley. That's what you yeah. don't want to do. And you also yeah. don't want to stay in the peak because that's also not helpful. 
Yeah, yeah, that's kind of yeah. In a way, I think you know the term that comes to me is kind of spiritual bypassing, and spiritual bypassing is, I guess, more is kind of associated with um, you're bypassing the shadow work, bypassing the heart, and wanting all of those you know great spiritual experiences. Um, but it can also be, and maybe it's the same thing, of kind of pretending that there is kind of no dark in the world. That's yes. also spiritual bypassing, isn't it? Very much so. Yes, very much so. Um, mm. And it's also called toxic positivity because it totally vilifies um, one's own human nature, aspects to one's own human nature and, the, and you know, the human experience and and you know, Yeshua having been the greatest example of Christ consciousness, the embodiment of it on earth, he himself experienced the, some of the lowest of the lows. Um, and his, his own death is, is proof of that though, though the death was um, very intentionally ritualistic in, in terms mm -hmm. of what it did for the, for the, the vibration of the planet and what it's now allowing us to do it, he still had to experience that and go through that. And he had to experience, you know, anger and frustration and mm. uh, exhaustion and, you know, cause he chose to exist in a human body yeah. and experience the duality that comes with that. And so like you were saying with toxic positivity and, and spiritual bypassing, when you try to stay only the highest of the high all the time and try to put your blinders on to um, anything that is dark, whether it's dark within you or dark in the world, um, that's also really unhealthful. And so like we were kind of saying, it's about yes, ebbing and flowing with the ups and the downs, and then ultimately staying a little more close to center where you don't go so high or so low. You, you, it's more of a gentle fluctuation where you're still experiencing the duality, um, but not to the hyper extremes of it. And that's where I feel like there's that, that middle way, that middle path where you're not all in the head, uh, you know, toxic positivity, mm -hmm movement, love and light, you know, fluffy bunnies all the time, but you're also not the lowest low, the depths of the darkness, the, the downward pull, the depression, the materialism, the physicality, the, the, the carnal aspect, you're in the heart, you're in the Christ consciousness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, uh, I think that, uh, this, this is for you here. Um, when people become self-aware, they also, automatically become aware of a bigger picture. Yeah, nice job, Jen. Your story is incredible. There you go. Thank That's you, Mystic. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. So one the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is I mentioned at the very start of the interview that your work and teachings are heavily influenced by ancient mystery school teachings. And I kind of want to know how you came about that aspect of your spirituality. You know, how did that come about what led you to become interested in that and how do you incorporate what you've learned into that into your outlook in life and your practices it was kind of a i realized now a slower evolution than i originally thought when i looked back on my spiritual path because i kind of once i started wanting to find god um on my spiritual path i I dove into headfirst lots of different paths. 
Um, so like Buddhism and, and paganism and, and Hinduism and, you know, new, new thought and, and spiritual science and, you know, all these different things, which, which is great because it allowed me a, a lot of good background. But while I could see similarities and I could see where I thought, okay, there's like a, there's like a, a lot of basic repeating truths in all of these, I couldn't quite grasp the full picture of how that relates and correlates to us and how we experience the, the, all the different correspondences like the planets and the chakras and the, the layers of our energetic field and, um, you know, the, the planetary spheres and, and it, I, I couldn't put it all together. Like I knew there was a correspondence, but I didn't understand it. And so this is going to sound beyond weird, but this is legitimately how I came about it. Um, I, I started watching the TV show Discovery of Witches. Now it isn't to say I wasn't exposed to this information earlier. It just wasn't, the pull wasn't there. Like it was like, yeah, okay. I, I see it but I don't get what I'm supposed to do with it kind of thing. And so I, I still had the books, but I just kind of dropped it. And when I was watching Discovery of Witches, that show is so esoterically geared. Um, and, and it appeals to me for a, num for a number of other more personal reasons, but the esoteric occult bit was like, ooh, wow, was, this is intriguing. Oh. And then at the same time, I became aware of a person by the name of Gigi Young, who, um, bless her heart, has has been given the, the gift of being able to learn all of these things and re relate them in a way that is um, palatable to our current yeah. vernacular, you know, um, as well as having her own intuitive experiences and her own, you know, interdimensional uh, visitations and her ability to to commune with with beings herself. So she gets her information from lots of places, but she introduces it in a very modern, meat and taters, easy well, easy to absorb way. And I <laughs> I say that because this information is very challenging to absorb anyway. Like it takes a lot of plays to listen to what she's teaching because the depth of it is so big for my brain to like wrap itself around it all. Um, but when I started listening to her explain like anthroposophy and theosophy and, and, you know, how those all relate to Gnosticism and Hermeticism and ancient Egyptian teachings and, and then how they relate to us in our physical bodies, but then also throughout our spiritual transformation throughout our lifetimes was so, and how that, you know, corresponds to alchemy. I mean, it is alchemy. That is what alchemizing is. It was just fascinating to see the information presented in a way where it connected all of these dots of stuff that I already knew, but really didn't quite know how to apply it yet. And so that helped me um, have this greater more broad, but more applicable perspective of all the stuff that I knew. And now when I work with clients, um, it's more like I can not, not only am I seeing myself in a more whole and complete way and seeing my process in a more holistic way, 
I can then see them and their processes in a more holistic way. And I don't bombard them with, with the details of, well, the planets and the blah, 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 and the this and this, because that's more, you don't, yes, it's, it's really interesting to have that knowledge and that information, but it is not required for healing and transformation. So it's more like, um, how shall I say it? It's more for me to find better ways to deliver the information in a way that is more functional for them is how I apply that to my clients. But for me, it's just, and I'm still very, I'm still very much at the tip of the iceberg. I feel like there's still so much more that I have. I feel like it's beyond a lifelong study. And even though a lot of us have already studied in past lives, it's like, now it's time for me to remember it. And I just don't feel like I've got enough time in this one lifetime. (laughs) And it sucks. Like I want it all now. Yeah, I, I know that feeling. It's there's so I, every time that you think that you've got a handle on this stuff, every time you think, okay, you know, wow, I've got I've got the teachings, I've got the real deep teachings, you realize, oh my God, I've actually only uncovered the tip of the iceberg. Every time that you think you've got the iceberg, you realize that it's just a tip. You realize yep. that the more you kind of go into this, the more that you realize I actually don't really know a great deal. I only actually know a very, very small percentage. And there are so many disciplines and philosophies and teachings and all this different stuff out there that we could not possibly hope to to learn them all and incorporate them. Even um, even obviously your day job is so physically demanding and you come home and you're you're trying to, to, to do your business and stuff like that. And you say to yourself, if only I had more time. I actually, right now, my present life, my present, I have a lot of time, but even that time, you cannot consume this 24-7. You you yeah. just can't. It's too overwhelming. It really is. You need time to process that. Sometimes you need time to take a break away from it, to to process it, not even in, in, in a mental way, but to kind of let that settle over you. Yes. You know, affect your consciousness and stuff like that. Um, it's just it's just impossible, no matter how much we're attracted to it. I mean, you know, and I know, like we've talked about so many books that we have, so many documentaries, like you've shared, oh, here's here's access to this, I've shared this for you. It's just, we just can't hope to, to learn it all, no matter how much we want. It's, it's frustrating, yeah. but yet it's amazing at the same time. It really is. Yeah, and, and then you add to the, you know, when you, you could read the same thing, multiple times but let's say a year has passed since you've read it and yeah. you kind of you know allowed it to to shift your awareness and your consciousness the first time you read it and then you go back to it and you read it again you're like oh wow oh wow that that could also mean this and pertain to the huh and then you've got to let that process and then yeah. year, so later you go back and yeah, yeah, there's that and the, oh, hey, holy shit. It could mean that, you know, it's it, everything. There's so many layers to unpack to even the simplest yeah. thing where it's like, it's an, it is an unending process. So you just have to take it in doses and know that you'll get what you're meant to get in this lifetime. Mm. And 
uh, the rest will come through future enfoldments. <laughs> yeah, even when you go back and revisit something, you know, you obviously you discover more things, but it's also then you go, okay, now this relates to something else that I had kind of learned along the way, but I didn't know of before. So that even adds new meaning to, to that, or, or you're kind of trying to compare these different you know, notes and how does that match up with that? It's, we talked about this before. Yes. Having this jigsaw, isn't it? Okay, well, I've got this. Where does, where does that fit in? You've got this piece. How, how does that? I don't think this piece fits in. That does that doesn't belong to the jigsaw. And then you're, it's it's absolutely fascinating. It's 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 amazing. But it's it's so important and it's so so helpful when you have someone who um can go down that all types of crazy with you. And not kind of be turned off or be rejected when, like, anything that you say to that person, they're not even going to bat an eye at that. They're just going to, no. mm. <laughs> yeah. yes, it takes a true weirdo for that. <laughs> it definitely does. Because when we were kind of like first kind of met, you were like, I don't think you, you like, you know, you're, you're, I'm definitely the weirdest person. <laughs> You know, that sure. and then we began to share experience. Oh my God, I'm, you're, you're just as much as a freak. Yep. I'll never forget our first conversation because we were able to go in so many bizarre directions that it was like playtime. I was having the best weirdo playtime ever. And I was like, oh my God, this is somewhere where I can go in like the weirdest, weirdest places. And just as we got to know each other, it was like our our weird, the depths of our weirdness know no bounds. Which is great. (laughs) It is. It's not that often that you come across someone where, you know, that you can just basically just unload anything at all and you know that that person will just get it. You know, Mm -hmm. they'll just get it. Like, I I can go down any type of crazy, any type of thing I could just say to this person and they're, you know, it's like, my God, they haven't even flinched at this. Yeah, it's yep. amazing, and that's one of the reasons I really value your friendship, you know, because you're, you're this inspiring person. And I guess um, just before we kind of start to look at wrapping this up, I kind of want to talk because we haven't really talked about that too much about this. I know you've been doing this job for 20, 25 years, your kind of day job, and, and it, it is obviously very rewarding, but it's, it must be so intense, and we've spoken about this before, and I, I don't think it's something that I – possibly could do you must like you must have the patience of a saint you really do you literally must be be some sort of reincarnated saint to to kind of do that kind of job well you know i I hate i I don't want to be like yep i've got the patience of the saint um but definitely patience does play a huge role so um, you know, when I was working in classrooms where, where students were um, ASD, uh, you know, and they were, they were having, you know, uh, issues with regulating their emotions and, you know, maybe they were having um, an emotional or aggressive, you know, outburst, you really have to take yourself out of the equation and have, which for many can be hard to do, and have again, it's like that neutral observer um, sort of standpoint where you can look at how that individual is processing 
um, their outside environment and whether it's, you know, that they're having a hard time processing it. And so we need to find ways for them to help regulate it, or they're at the point where they're beyond being able to regulate and they just need to allow themselves to have an outburst, help helping them to have that, that expression in the safest way possible. And um, you have to really kind of keep your awareness or someone could, could get hurt. And so they're, they're the, the patience and the focus and the not taking things personally and being able to be a compassionate space holder and observer of, of what they're going through and helps you to read their energy and helps you to read their, their needs when you get to know them. And then when you, you translate something like that to the students that I work with now, which are much more SCI, SXI, which means severely cognitively impaired or severely multiply impaired, which is where they're, they not only have a cognitive impairment, but they also have a physical or, or, uh, or other uh, impairment. Um, you know, their ability to communicate then is very inhibited where, you know, maybe a student uses a head switch and you have to be able to ask them a question and then stay silent for 30 to 40 seconds to give them processing time to not only process in their mind the question that was asked, uh, but also the understanding of I need to respond by using my head to hit the switch. So now I have to try to tell my body that already has a hard time um, operating. I have to tell my body to move in a certain way in order to hit this switch. It can take a lot of effort on their part and learning the patience to be the quiet observer and waiting without going, come on, so-so, touch the switch, come on, so-so, um, because every time you speak, they then have to start their processing time over again it does take practice to to allow that that person to respond in the time that it, it how to say this in the amount of time that their that their body allows them to if that makes sense yeah yeah it does absolutely and as i said it, it, it's i can't it just you know like it speaks just volumes but about you because a lot of people obviously have their kind of spiritual coaching and stuff like that there and then they maybe have their normal kind of day-to-day -day job but the job that you're doing is just kind of not an ordinary mundane type of job it, it's such a demanding and rewarding and service orientated job that um but yeah it's still so physically and mentally and emotionally challenging um it, it, it just, I guess it just speaks volumes to the person that you are. I guess uh, that's what I just find amusing about you is that, you know, like a, a lot of people after that there would probably not have kind of time for anything else or probably would, uh, is that it's not for everyone. Certainly don't think it would be for me, but the current dedication and compassion that you have in your heart, will you do that as a day job and then continue that in your private practices is 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 pretty amazing pretty special i guess it really is so i Thank guess you. i just wanted to say that yeah um yeah um so i guess um what i kind of just wanted to ask then is that you know because obviously all this is remote healing people can't come and see you in person so you know people want to find out more about what it is that you do or people want to you know look look to do kind of uh 
healing or um, you know intuitive kind of life coach work where is the best place to connect with you where's the best place to find you um i'm going to once again we're stated that my all of my sessions are remote and what i love about that is that means that i'm not limited to helping people just within my you know vicinity i can help anyone as long as they as long as they have either a phone or a skype account and we can get our our time zones aligned um i can help anybody and so i, I really love that but they can find me at www angelenergyhealing.net and there they'll find descriptions, thorough descriptions of the services that I offer. Um, they can actually schedule a session with me there. They can reach out and contact me from there if they have any questions. Um, but that's the best place that they can go. Yeah, brilliant. So what is on the future? What is in the future for you, Jennifer? Have you any upcoming plans? Have you anything that you'd like to share? I do have a, an in-person event uh, in January, on mm. January 14th in Lansing, Michigan. Um, and I'll be putting my events, the, the events that I'll be doing that are in person on my website. Uh, but otherwise, the one of the other things that I've been recently guided to do, I, this, this may end up biting me in the business rear end as well, but it's what I was guided to do, uh, which is to offer mini group healings on YouTube. So they would be like a live and they would be streamed on Facebook as well, but, but live group healings that would maybe only last about 20 minutes and whoever's viewing then or in the future, because, you know, time doesn't exist. So no matter when you watch it, you'll, you'll receive benefit from it. Um, will yeah. receive some degree of healing. Now, is it as thorough as an in-person one-on-one session? Pff, of course not. No. Um, but that's something that I've been guided to offer. And then ultimately, and I still don't know what this is going to look like because it was only something that was recently brought to my awareness, is to offer in-person group healings, full, like, hour-long, <laughs> standing in front of people. So I don't know what exactly how that's going to, you know, transpire, but that's what I was told I was going to do. So we, we shall see. But for anybody mm -hmm. who within my vicinity, um, you can still have a one-on-one -on -one session uh, with me if you're not able to do an in-person or um, if the virtual mini sessions um, aren't, how should I say this, aren't as thorough, thorough which they normally, which they of course wouldn't be expected to be, but aren't as thorough as you would prefer. <laughs> I think what the mini sessions do is give someone a taste yep. um, of, 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 you know, a taste. A small portion of the big pie, let's just say, you know, you, you could get a taster. And if you find that beneficial, you feel that that was quite nice or you felt that something was changing within you, it should then hopefully then guide people to saying, well, you know, you can have so much more of that. You know, we can really explore that. You can feel that so much more um, by availing off one of the, the, the full, full like services. Yes. Is, yeah. Is your... Um, is your YouTube links contained within your website? Yes. And I'm, I've also got a link tree link that links to literally everything. Uh, but yes, you can, um, you can also find my YouTube, my Twitter, my Instagram, my MeWe, my Rumble. Um, 
on my website. <laughs> and there are also links. This, this interview is actually a link to this interview will go up on my website as well. So you can watch previous interviews um, or articles. So, or read articles. So I've got, I've got a lot of stuff on my website. I just got to get to put my events up there. That's the only thing. <laughs> I know. You're that, you're that busy. You'll just say it's, it's one you get time for anything. Um, we do share quite a number of jokes about when it is that I get to hear from you. <laughs> It's and what it is that you're doing at the time. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we we just had a comment there um, to your previous thing where we were talking. It just says thank you. Yes, patience to learn through the process. That is one trait that is really important. So really mm -hmm. nice to have that comment. So Jennifer, it has been an absolute delight, an absolute pleasure. Um, a great, great talk with you. Um, just so glad that I know you and I know you that well that I didn't have to make any notes of this interview because <laughs> just it makes the interview go a lot more easier, a lot more floor. Um, yeah. Just obviously beset by technical difficulties, but we'll, we'll work that out. <laughs> Is there um, anything that you'd like to say, any kind of piece of inspiration that, that helps guide you that you would like to, to share with someone who's looking something? I think the best piece of advice that I've learned to take from myself is to let go of attachment to anything. Um, and, and it's, you know, depending on the thing, it's still a lesson that I'm learning, uh, but particularly letting go of um, relationships, like letting go, go of the attachment, meaning, you know, you wouldn't necessarily want them to go, but you wouldn't take it personally if they left or letting go of the attachment of outcome, letting go of the attachment of, I need something to be a certain way in order to be happy. So when you can let go of those attachments to, to conditions and outcomes and answers and people and stuff like that, um, it allows a greater level of flow because then you're not in resistance because you're trying to uh, hold on to whatever the thing is, if that makes sense. So that to me is my greatest lesson to myself and others. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely right. Attachment is the root of all suffering. So say Buddha and he would know, I guess. Yep. Jennifer, thank you so, so much. I mean, I'd say this to every guest, but, you know, especially to you, I really do think that you're an amazing person for the service that you offer the world. You know, and to get it, dedicate your life to that, not only in your spiritual practices, but in your day-to-day -day job speaks volumes about the amazing person that you are. And I hope that people do avail of your services because especially if you're listening to this interview, can listen and, and understand how thoroughly Jennifer knows about this stuff and her depth of knowledge on so, so many different subjects. Um, so much hardship and, you know, life lessons she's been through, but yet here she is with a smile on her face, laughing and being joking and jo jovial. She's such a, such an amazing person. I'm really, really thrilled and honored to consider you a friend. God, thank you. Likewise. Thank you so much. And we'll leave it there. And I'll see you on the other side. <laughs>